0: Everybody to the Wit and Whiskey cast. I am your co-host with the most, DJ Gagnon, here with, of course, the my grumpy counterpart, Mark Rossetti. I'm not grumpy today. My back doesn't hurt anymore. That's amazing. We're like starting off this new year on a new leaf, everybody. Mark's
1: never going to be grumpy again. <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, I, I tweaked my back, and actually, we're going to tell the story. Uh, Well, I guess we could tell it here because it fits into our topic. Our topic is cats this week, folks. (laughs) And I tweaked my back because I have a big power recliner, you know, man chair type thing. And Romulus, my cat, likes to lay on my lap when I have the recliner part up with my legs up. And so he curled up on my lap last Thursday so eight days ago as we're recording this and he got all comfortable no it was last Wednesday because I woke up Thursday with a tweak back so nine days ago as we're recording this he got all comfortable and I was in a weird position but I didn't want to move because he was asleep on my lap and he looked so cute and then I fell asleep in a really weird position and then I woke up the next day and my back was all jacked <laughs> <laughs> and it's taken a week to heal so don't don't do that. <laughs>
0: And and by uh, and, and and by hurting his back, he really means he did something really tough
1: in a garage somewhere with a car. <laughs> you had texted me to record this a couple of days ago, and I was like, you know, I just I can't sit in the studio on those chairs because. For a couple days, like, I could barely move around. I mean, it was spasming. It was doing this. It was doing that. And I said, no, my, my back is just jacked. And he's like, oh, what, are we working on your garage? I said, I fucking witch!" <laughs> <laughs> so I just laid wrong, and I can't move. Like, I woke, I seriously woke up. Like, I'm laughing about it now, but honestly, God, when I woke up last week, for a brief, like, minute or two, I thought I might have had a stroke in my sleep. Oof. Like, it was that tight. It was that. I'm like, what is going on? What is happening?
0: You know, I can't, I can't make fun of you too much because there have definitely been multiple times in the last few months of, uh, like getting through our bedtime routine where, where I've almost jacked up my back and it's definitely been sore the next day because I always start our bedtime routine sitting where I sleep at night in, in our bed, but I have Parker go to sleep on my chest we kind of cuddle, and we lay there for, like, you know, 10, 20 minutes. Uh, and then I'll put him in his spot, I'll put him in his thing, and go to sleep myself. Um, thing being bassinet. Uh, yes, I can't think of words. Um, <laughs> but there's definitely been nights when he's super fussy, and he's flipping around, and I'm trying to, like switch around to like make him more comfortable and calm him down and I'll end up in the weirdest positions and then he'll just be dead asleep. And I'm like, well, I guess I can't move until I'm dead now. Yeah. But other than, uh, jacking up your back and healing, how you been,
1: man? Uh, okay. Uh, Christmas was eventful. We, I don't know how it was up in the Shire, but here in Pennsylvania, we had the coldest stretch of weather in hmm, how long did they say? A better part of ten years. Uh, the you know Christmas Eve was a Saturday this year. Christmas Day was a Sunday. That Friday, the weather went down to the single digits and went down into the negative teens with the wind chill. And it did not come back up until the following Tuesday. <laughs> so we just had this four-day stretch of just super bitter cold and super high winds. Oof. Uh, I think at one point, the air temperature got as low as two degrees on the positive side. And with the wind chill, it was like negative 19, negative 20. And it just stayed there. So uh, I woke up Christmas Eve morning to the wife going, Hey, yeah, we don't have any water. All the pipes are <laughs> yeah, And uh, so I was, uh, and this probably didn't help my back either. I had to lay on my back and like reach over my head to get to the pipes under the kitchen sink to thaw them out with a hairdryer while the cat sat on my chest and was like, I'm going to help you. Uh, so, <laughs> but no, it was uneventful. And then just before new year's, the the TV died in the living room, which I can't complain about because we had it for 10 years. And we were able to buy a new TV, a bigger TV, a 4K TV. So basically I didn't realize how much untapped potential was still in the PlayStation 5 until I bought a TV that let me turn on all the bells and whistles. So mm, fair. Yeah. I, that TV looks massive. It's 75 inches. Jesus. And <laughs> it was kind of funny because you've been to my house. Yeah. And, you know, I have, like, that black sort of, they call it an entertainment center, but it doesn't have, like, sides on it. So it's basically like a a cabinet that you could fit a bunch of systems in the bottom, and then it's a big flat top that you put a TV on top of. And so we had a 60-inch. We actually still had a plasma TV, which I don't even think you can buy anymore. But we had a 60-inch plasma screen, and it died. And so we got a 75-inch LED And the plasma was one center, like, base pedestal. And the TV was two, like, feet on opposite ends. Mm -hmm. And so I ordered the TV from Best Buy. From Best Buy, like, 25 minutes away from the house, by the way, because they were the only ones that had the one I wanted. And as I'm sitting there, a little thought dawns in my head. Wait a minute. (laughs) I I don't know if this is going to (laughs) fit.
0: Because,
1: of course, I didn't measure. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? We seriously were like an inch and a half short. Oh, no. So I go back on the Best Buy website, and luckily the same store had this. I had to buy, it was basically like a center mount stand, and then you build a, like basically the superstructure that you use to mount a TV onto the wall. You build that onto the back of the TV, and then you screw it onto the stand, and then it just sits in the center.
0: Damn. (laughs)
1: The old man was, you know, we have a big, big pickup truck, big diesel pickup truck we use when we used to race. We've we've talked about it. And so I called him and I was like, hey, you know, is a truck at home because I've got keys to it and everything. But he might have taken it to work or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but why? So I told him why. And he goes, well, just wait till three o'clock when I get out of work. He goes, I'll go up with you. I'm bored. I'll go for a ride. All right. And even then, he's like, well, do we have to take the truck? He goes, why don't we just take the Chrysler and this and that? He's like, "We'll put the back seats down. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> so I go in Best Buy, give the guy a little thing to scan, because I would paid for it already. And he goes, cool, just pull. He goes, did you bring a truck? I said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We brought a truck. He goes, just pull up in the fire lane. I'm going to wheel it out. No problem. He comes out with this thing on a gurney. And the old man just looks at me and goes, what the fuck did you buy? <laughs> Because, of course, the boxes are even bigger anymore with all the styrofoam and everything in them. This thing barely fit in the 2500 series diesel pickup. <laughs> and it took two fat, old, tired Italians. Well, you know, The old man is very old, and I had it tweaked back. It took the two of us a very long time to get it upstairs into the apartment and then to assemble the superstructure to hook it all up. But it's up there. But here's the bad thing, DJ. And this, you know, I guess they're gonna drag me into the 21st century, kicking and screaming. Yeah. You you've been to my house. You've seen the entertainment center. I have something like 16 different systems from various points in history, from the from I the oldest one's the Atari 2600 all the way up to the PS5. Yeah. It only has two HDMI ports and nothing else. Hmm. No red, yellow, white. No components. No nothing. Doesn't have a PC cable, which that's not the biggest thing in the world. But so I've got to buy a shitload of adapters. But that's that's later on down the road.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to see this this mutant cable management system <laughs> that you come up with.
1: Well, I'm gonna have to buy a shitload of adapters, and then I'm gonna have to buy an HDMI hub switcher gimmick thing. Mm-hmm. So. I do have right one now because I have uh, quite a few consoles myself. Yeah, so but you'll be happy right now as it stands. The only two things hooked up to the TV are uh, the Switch and the PS Five, mm. and the Switch actually has the splicer adapter because I have an HDMI to USB C adapter that I use to plug my laptop into the TV. So nice, but yeah, so it's there. It's big. It runs four K. I recommend it. <laughs> what about you? Did you make any uh, just uh, unnecessary and, quite frankly, irresponsible purchases over Christmas? Uh,
0: Well, I mean, n- I, I, no. I'm trying to you think. You don't that, sound
1: very convincing. I
0: mean, we did get Parker a couple of things, and, like, the irresponsible part is, like, we just... We literally just did it for the gram, right? Like he's three months. Like the, we got him some squishy blocks, and there's no way he's gonna be playing with those for another few months yet. So, um, but I, I'm trying to think of like, I I did for Christmas. I did get a, a whole new coffee setup, which may interest you. Okay, go on. Uh, have you ever heard of an AeroPress? press? Ah, uh, vaguely. I'm not super familiar with them, but I have heard of them. So it's, it's an all, it's like sturdy, heat-resistant plastic. It's all like uh, very easily collapsible into like a travel kit. Um, and it's a combination between, uh, it, it's somewhere in between like a French press and an espresso maker. Okay. And, and it can make both. So... Uh, that's pretty cool. And I also got a manual, like, hand-held coffee grinder that can change the coarseness of the grind. So I can make w- ridiculously good coffee now. It's very good, Mark. I have to stop myself I, uh, from I... making multiple cups of coffee a day now. No, give in to it. I, 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 I can't do it, man. I get, I get so jittery and anxious. But
1: <laughs> We were driving up to get the TV. And, of course, I said it was like you know, 25 minutes away, half hour away, whatever. And I, said some, I yawned or something, and I said something about needing another cup of coffee. And the old man goes, you know, you drink a lot of coffee. I said, yeah, I do. He goes, how much do you drink on a daily basis? I said, a couple pots. And he just goes, What? He said, Yeah, like I drink like one or two pots a day. And he's like, "That That's not good. I said, Well, yeah, here we are. I mean, that is a
0: lot of coffee, Mark. But coffee's so good.
1: <laughs> it's just
0: it's so good. I've never heard you sound so much like an addict. <laughs> he's over in the corner It is a drug. We are himself. addicted.
1: Just one more cup, man. One, one more shot. One, one more. My pot upstairs is empty. I'm very sad. Did Did I tell you about the mug I got? Um, God, this was like back in September at the cigar dinner I went to. No. I went to a cigar tasting and, you know, meet the company owner type swanky dinner. And in addition to getting free cigars and hats and whatnot, everybody got a free gift the cigar company and it was a coffee mug and it's a big coffee mug. It's 18 ounces. Jesus. But the handle has a uh, proprietary patented design It has a little thing in it and it will hold your cigar. <laughs> so you can have a cigar and a cup of coffee with it.
0: As if you need more encouragement. Right? <laughs> but I mean, other than that, uh Christmas was good this year. New Year was New Year's was pretty low key, as you can imagine. We we got to like I think 9 30 and we were like, no, we're done. And we just went to bed.
1: I had to work New Year's. I was bartending.
0: I know. And
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now we have to tell this story. So, you know, if anybody's gone out to a bar in the last 10 years, you know that they have these touch tunes jukeboxes. And the whole gimmick with them is they're online enabled and they have mobile apps and, you know, the whole nine yards. And as long as you have the location once. As long as you have it favorited. Yeah, but I mean, even if you know the name of it, like, you know, if there's a pub by you called like the Jolly Roger, if I punch in the Jolly Roger, I'll find it. So as long as you know the name of it.
0: There was a time when I searched for stuff because I hadn't been there. I think it was like the margaritas down the road, and they were like, ah, you're not close enough. You can't do it. But for some
1: reason. (laughs) Well, uh, DJ decided to cheer up my New Year's because, again, my my back was particularly bad New Year's Eve, and I had to work. So he decided to prep up my New Year's by blasting the Pokemon theme song (laughs) through the bar. Just completely out of the blue. Now, the funny part was DJ being an old man and a parent and phoning in by about 930. I think you played it at like quarter to seven. I did. So there was no one in the bar because <laughs> the party did not start till like eight o'clock. So I'm sitting there reading. I was actually reading notes for D&D for Monday. And all of a sudden the Pokemon theme song starts playing. And I think I texted you. That would have been really funny if there was anybody here.
0: <laughs> My favorite part, I think there was a night where the, the bar was pretty packed and I played it. And you had to run over and unplug it because a game was on.
1: There was a night. No, I didn't unplug it. I hit mute on the remote. It has a remote. <laughs> but I had to, like, dive over to where the remote was because <laughs> the old timers were getting rowdy. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't work Monday. Monday was the Rose Bowl and Penn State was playing and it's a very big Penn State bar and there was a lot of crotchety old guys and ooh, that would not have gone over well Monday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really funny. Just I, I keep trying to find the most bubbly pop songs ever. I, th- I think I sent like Carly Rae Jepsen to the, to the bar once while you were ten- bartending.
1: Oh, yeah. We've had Carly Larry Jepsen. We've had Avril Lavigne. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it was you. I think it was Ali. Somebody played Jolene by Deli Parton. But that got over. People were all about that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so, no, there's been some fun ones. Sometimes if it's dead and if we have a younger crowd, like, you know, maybe three or four people, we get into meme song wars. Yeah. And what's really fun about that is it completely fucks up the algorithm that they use. <laughs> So, you know, you go from like five nights of just like the Eagles and you know the Rolling Stones and Steely Dan. And then there's one night and it's like, who played all this Darude? <laughs> what <laughs> what, wait, what why why are we listening to the um what you say song? What are these people doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I uh, just for you, though, every time I'm on there, I do search various things related to Sonic the Hedgehog to see if I can get a theme song out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Has it hasn't been uh, fruitful yet, but I I, I'm hoping that sometime they add like remixes of video
1: game music. I would be okay with that. Mm. Uh, They have a surprising amount of wrestling theme songs (laughs) are on the jukebox. That's awesome. And. One night, uh, a buddy of mine was in, and it wasn't super packed, but there was a little bit of crowd, a little bit of a crowd, and he went to the bathroom, and there was nothing playing in the jukebox, and he played Hulk Hogan's Real American, and then came out of the bathroom and ripped his shirt off. <laughs> and I was like, I, th- I think you're you're cut off. <laughs> like, I think we're done. Amazing.
0: Well, I, I feel like we got to get into it. What are you drinking, man?
1: I am trying something new today. Uh, I am drinking a, this is my 58th whiskey, by the way. That was the other thing I did over Christmas and New Year's over the break was I redid the bar. I got rid of all the non-whiskey stuff. I take it back. I left two bottles of vermouth. But I got rid of any anything non-whiskey or non-whiskey adjacent. There's brandy, there's cognac, there's whatever. But uh, uh, it's 58 bottles now, all different, no repeats. And I have a spreadsheet. Uh, Nick will be proud. friend of the show, Nick, <laughs> will we'll be very proud. And so I'm drinking a Nelson Brothers whiskey. Uh, the classic. They have the classic in the reserve. The store I went to didn't have the reserve. So I'm trying the the classic. It's 93 proof, so it's not super bad. And it's pretty good. Like it's got a darker color. More like a toffee than a caramel, I guess. It has some hints of, like, butter and, like, a darker cherry. Like, you know those, like, I don't want to say black cherries, but those really dark cherries you can buy sometimes? Mm-hmm. It kind of hit has that. When you... That's all in the nose. Then the taste, it's weird because the whole thing tastes stronger than the proof. It's very alcohol but not in a bad way. Not in, like, a, ooh... You know what? But I actually had to look this up again. I'm like, this, this is really 93, but it is. It tastes more like 100 proof, but it, it's really 93. And it gives you kind of like a pepper and almost like a rye bite. Now, it's a bourbon, and I couldn't find the mash bill. So it could very well be a high rye bourbon. I don't know. But you definitely get a big rye bite out of it. And then it gets sweet at the end. And you get sort of more of that cherry taste and a little bit of sweet. And then that fades away and it burns again. Mm. So it's very complex. Like it's only three or four flavors, but you go through the roller coaster a couple of times. It's very complex. It has a kick. I like it. I'd never had it before. I really enjoy it. It was like 30. Well, it lists for thirty eight ninety nine. I think I paid thirty five ninety nine. It was on sale. They were having a big new year sale. So it's not terribly priced. Um, and even though it's it tastes stronger than a 93 proof, at the same time, it's still smooth. It's not like, oh, God, what are we drinking? Mm. That's awesome. What about you, brother?
0: Uh, well, a friend of the show, Ryan, is determined to keep me uh, flush drinking Scots this uh, uh, Drinking scotches. Uh, Don't drink a
1: Scotsman. Don't try to out drink a Scotsman. First of all, you'll (laughs) die. I would probably die. You definitely will die. Oh yes. (laughs) Drinking scotches. Clearly I've
0: already had too much scotch tonight. Uh, So I, I am drinking Glenn Murray. Uh, I'm drinking their entry level, which is the, uh, the single malt. um, I think it's called the Elgin classic. Uh, it's, uh, 80 proof. Um, it's about, it'll run you about 30 bucks a bottle, depending on where you buy it. Um, I, I did look it up. It looks like it, it's tentatively aged seven years. So, so not bad there. Uh, aged in American Oak. It's very, very light in color. Um, I like it. It's a good scotch. It doesn't, it doesn't taste like a lot of other scotches, it uh, doesn't have that that scotchness that that I don't generally love in scotches. Um, it's because it's so light in color. It's on the nose. I mean, it, it, you're. I'm definitely getting uh, like butterscotchy things. You know, sweet, maybe maybe some citrus, um, and it's kind of got like a. Like a raisin and citrus and 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 kind of caramelly taste to it, um, but it's not too strong in any one direction, uh, and it kind of peters out into a nice spice at the end. I, it, it's it's solidly good. I feel like if I was more of a Scotch drinker, it the best that could be said about it would be that it's inoffensive. Um, I do have some cask aged versions of Glen Marais, uh to try out in the coming weeks, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to those. Uh, the entry level, it, it's decent. Um, it's a Scotch. It's uh, not my favorite whiskey. It definitely doesn't have like the backbone of a rye. Uh, it, it's not quite as sweet as a bourbon, and it, it doesn't have the the that that big overarching scotch palette, uh, that you would expect. It's just kind of in the middle somewhere. So it doesn't really seem to fit anywhere. Um, but I like it. It's good. It's not overly complex. It's easy to drink. Uh, it's pretty smooth. Uh, so I, I, I would recommend it, uh, especially if you're looking to get into scotches, I feel like 30 bucks is an easy entry, uh, into scotches when there's so many more expensive ones.
1: Yeah, that's originally how I got into Monkey Shoulder. It's thirty two dollars a bottle, and it was like this doesn't suck for that price. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good, and
0: it is a space side, so it's from my favorite region too. So you love your space sides, I do. I'd I'd recommend this, uh, especially if you're you're more of a bourbon uh, or an American drinker, and and you're you want to get into scotches. You know, honestly, you can't go wrong with any of the Glens. It's true. Uh, but what do we get for whiskey news this week? I'm I'm
1: seeing something interesting here. <laughs> you say that, you're not going to like it. Um, oh, no. It's going to be a very quick high buy because uh, we need to, discretion is going to be the better of our valor on this one, and I'll tell you why. We have talked about a great many people, a great many celebrities, a great many bands, a great many organizations creating, I think I've dubbed them vanity whiskeys. Mm. Well, are you ready for the newest one? Oh, I mean, is it going to be, I, I hope
0: it's, I hope it's at least as good as the Metallica one was.
1: Well, the TTB, which is basically a big government agency responsible for approving labels and like ingredients and and marketing and trade names and different things. They received a filing. This was actually uh, in December, early December of last year, they received a filing for a new two-year-old aged bourbon uh, bottled by bottled in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Now they won't say which one it is. There are several distilleries in Shelbyville, Kentucky, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but the the trade filing and the approval was for Conspiracy Original American Bourbon. And I have the label here in front of me. It has, like, the black bars, like something's been redacted. They claim that it's batch number 1776. Uh, Different things like that. And this is the vanity project of one Alex Jones. (laughs) I told you you weren't going to like it. (laughs) Now, here is the fun part. Shelbyville has amongst them the Bullet Distillery, the Jepta Creed Distillery, the Ruttenstrut Strut Distillery, and one that is not currently active. Uh, Bullet is owned by what's that name? I can never say. Diago. Oh, uh, Diageo? Diagio, yes. So Bullet is owned by Diagio. Both Diageo and Jepta Creed have come out and been like, this ain't us. (laughs) We want nothing to do with this. Good. (laughs) So it's either this Ruttenstrut strut or this abandoned distillery that is currently listed as inactive, which that would be the Alex Jones way. Buy a creepy old distillery and restart it. Um, That being said, and I know I'm going to get hate tweets for this. If I stumble across it, I'm probably going to buy it. Oh, come on, Mark. It's only going to be 40 bucks. It's a bourbon. The label looks really cool. Like, just to have... You know it's going to suck. You know it's going to be terrible. Yeah. But I'm probably going to buy it. That's whiskey news. Gross. (laughs) What about tools of the trade? Bring (laughs) us back up.
0: All right. So, uh, I thought it might be cool this season to look into some of the tools that they use in distilleries. Okay. Uh, because we've talked about home bar stuff um, and we're kind of at the limit of uh, what... what uh, The more things that you could get before it becomes ridiculous. Um, I may at some point talk about one of those like cocktail machines, but uh, I don't know. They're, they're abominations. Uh, so I figured I'd start off with uh, a pretty neat one. we got a quick tools of the trade this week. Um, talking about the whiskey thief. Do you know what a whiskey thief is? Uh, It's someone whose
1: hands I would break. No. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, then I don't. Go ahead.
0: Uh, So if you've ever seen, like, a documentary about whiskey, or you've gone on a tour of a distillery, or you've watched Parks and Rec, uh, you see distillers touring the bottles, and then when they go to taste the whiskey, they've got this long sometimes metal, sometimes plastic, sometimes glass tube that they stick into a barrel, put their thumb over the end, pull it out, and then hover over a glass and put their thumb off of it, and release the whiskey into the glass. And that's called a whiskey thief, that long tube. Okay, it's a tool uh, that distillers use, uh, and it, it can it's basically a way of like, getting some whiskey out to test the quality and to to t- test the taste of it uh without like contaminating the contents of the the aging barrel um so traditionally they used to be made out of copper um they generally look like a big old drinking straw and it's the same thing that we all learned in grade school if you put your thumb over the hole and it keeps the milk in the straw well in this case it's whiskey Uh, Modern-day whiskey thieves uh, sometimes include a hydrometer built in for testing purposes, so you can stick it in and test the density of your whiskey. And um, Some even more advanced ones may even have some tools on it to to test some of the ABV and whatnot. Um, The interesting part of this is that uh, they do the same thing in vineyards with wine. Uh, But those are called wine thieves. And I just love the idea that there's just a tool called a thief.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, and I I don't expect you to know this, but did you stumble across in your research why they named it that? I
0: I tried looking up the origin of it, and I think it's literally just because it's used to get stuff out of the barrel without breaking the barrel. I I can't... I can't, I, I mean, there's probably an apocryphal story somewhere of of some bandit using it to, to siphon whiskey off of barrels. But I, I couldn't find anything that said, yeah, this is what, um, you yeah, know, this is where it comes from. Uh, but the, most of the information came from a capital living article called resurrecting George Washington's booze, which I'm pretty sure is something you and I have already talked about. Yes. And I've actually, uh,
1: had a few of his recipes over the years. Amazing. It's glorious. Um, it will get you really drunk, but it's glorious. <laughs> yeah, that's whiskey news.
0: So, well, uh, what about I cats?
1: Like so, today we're going to talk about cats. And, um, you know, it was funny because I was like, man, this is going to be a shorter episode because it's a lot of little quick hit stuff, but we really went long on the catch up part. So, this might actually balance out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, the, uh, you know, I'm a historian. So, we're going to talk a little bit about uh cats you know in antiquity and going forward and then we're gonna talk about cats today just you know what to expect what to you know different things to look at look you know some pointers some tips etc etc and just you know cats are fun let's get into so, it cats in the ancient world now we know that by four thousand years ago so by about 2000 BC, 2100 BC, cats were well domesticated in Egypt, they were worshipped, they were etc. We believe that uh, they were first domesticated in Mesopotamia about 12,000 BCE. So we believe domestic cats of some variety have been around for roughly 14,000 years. Just to put that into respect. Holy crap, <laughs> that's a long time. Yes, um, it like, for example, in ancient, a lot of them came from the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians are uh, widely regarded as having introduced cats to Europe. Uh, they would trade with the Greeks for scarabs and amulets and fine gems and things. They would often uh, get in cats. And then, of course, when Rome came in, they took a bunch of different ones. Uh, so, you know, we'll go through a few different things. Egypt, of course, is the big one cats in ancient Egypt were worshipped. They were literally worshipped as gods. And there was a cat goddess, Bastet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she guarded against evil forces. She was against illness. She was a proponent of happiness. And, well, obviously, Ra and a few other gods were much higher up in the pantheon. Bastet was kind of the populist god. <laughs> it was the god of the working people. And she had a, a good following. represented as a woman with a cat's head. And the Egyptians took this to an incredible extreme. It was against the law to harm a cat in ancient Egypt, in any shape, way or form. Hmm. It was illegal to trade cats or to remove them from the bounds of the kingdom of Egypt's territory. They actually had a government organization like a bureau, a bureaucracy, just to regulate the laws regarding cats and their proper handling. Amazing. And there's a probably apocryphal tale, but it's cited in a few different places, of a Roman soldier getting mad and, like, kicking a cat. And when he kicked it, it accidentally, like, it fell funny and it broke its neck or something. And basically a mob took him out and stoned him to death. And even the Romans were like, you know what? That one's on you. Jesus, they, they take this shit seriously. Just don't don't do that. Uh, speaking of Rome, they were in on it too. Now, the Romans did have some mythical symbolism. Cats were thought to embody independence and individual freedom, and boy howdy, do they. <laughs> um and cats were the only types of domestic animals allowed in Roman temples. You couldn't bring, like, your livestock or anything, but you could bring a cat. Um, Libertas, the Roman goddess Libertas, is often shown holding a cat, you know, crazy lady with a cat. The Romans, though, were actually, they were more practical. The legions especially were more practical. They would actually take cats campaigning And the reason for that was they would put them in their food stores and just let them kill all the mice and everything uh, that were eating their food. That makes sense. Yeah. In Japan, cats are uh, believed to have been introduced to Japan later on, about 500 A.D., so a little bit later on. Again, they were mostly used to protect food stores. uh, But the Buddhists tweaked this. The Buddhist monks... They use them to protect documents because a lot of rodents would chew on ancient parchments. So they would keep them in libraries and in writing rooms and things like that. That's why you often see, I mean, I'm sure it exists in Japan, but I've definitely seen it in Europe with old monasteries. You'll see books and uh, scrolls and things in Latin with cat prints on them. And like you could Google them, they exist. It's kind of funny. They walk over shit for 10,000 years. Uh, (laughs) But the Japanese have a funny legend. There was a legend that years and years ago, you know, 1,500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, the emperor was just walking through town, and there was a cat sitting on the porch of this building. And the cat was sort of like, had his paw out and was kind of beckoning him. And the emperor was so very intrigued by this, that he went over to see the cat and to see why this cat was beckoning him. And when he did lightning struck where he had been. And so this cat saved his life. Well, that's nice. Yes. And so because of that in Japan, cats are seen as good luck and you'll often see in Japanese stores, a statue of a cat like beckoning to you with its pop, which is kind of fun. Didn't,
0: uh, didn't the cat get
1: left out of the Zodiac though? It did. And I don't exactly know why (laughs) that I didn't look, I didn't have time to look that up, but it did. Although there is a tiger. There is the tiger is a big cat.
0: I think the general story as it goes is that the cat was tricked by the rat into sleeping in that day. And so didn't get chosen as part of the
1: Zodiac. Oh, homie. It didn't need to get tricked by the rat to to sleep in. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) I believe that story, but not the trick part. (laughs) And uh, then the Vikings actually cats, domesticated cats were given as wedding presents. They were signs of like a strong household and a great bond. And uh, Viking warriors and Viking men actually uh, looked for women who were like cat people and who liked cats because they were seen as better potential housewives. So that's everything you wanted to know about the cats in antiquity. Mm. <laughs> Now we're going to jump to today. And basically I, I have in the show notes, there's two ways to get a cat. There's actually three. You can buy a cat. Uh, you can go to the store, buy a cat. You can uh, adopt a cat, which is, you know, what you should do from either a shelter or cats make a lot of uh, kittens. So if a friend has a litter, chances are they'll just give you one. because <laughs> They're going to have a lot. Yeah. Fair. Um, uh, Or you could do what I did and just have one show up. (laughs) And uh, you can get a stray cat. The thing with a stray cat, obviously, is they're going to need much more vet attention early on. I mean, poor Romulus, when we found him, he was underweight, he was starving. He had worms, he had fleas, he had ticks, he had ear uh, mites, and there was something else we had to get him checked out for, too. I don't even remember now that's so so many things it was so many things the vet was not shocked he was still alive but was kind of like this isn't good Uh, and likewise any kittens that the one nice thing about getting a cat or a kitten or anything from a shelter is you know you don't have to worry about feline leukemia or feline HIV which are both obviously very deadly if undiagnosed and if untreated but perhaps more importantly, they're actually very contagious to other cats. Ooh. Cats can actually transmit both of those through sharing feeding bowls, through sharing water bowls. Uh, that's why they recommend if you're in a house with multiple cats, if you find a stray or something, you have to segregate them until you can get it to the vet. Because it, it can be very bad. If you don't know. I mean, if you know about it and you take the appropriate precautions, obviously. But uh, they spread. That, that is the main thing is it spreads. Now, when you have a cat, no matter how you got it, you have this cat now, you say, cool, we're going to be cat people. The biggest decision, although, you know, when you watch older TV, like the Flintstones and different things, this is more of an old timey thing. But there are people that still do it because they actually ask you at the vet is, is it going to be an indoor cat or an outdoor cat? And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, preach. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to say one way or the other. We keep Romulus indoors. The fact is an indoor-only cat lives three to three and a half times as long. Yeah, Natch. The average age for an outdoor cat is between six to eight years. Uh, The average cat for... The average cat. The average age for an indoor cat is 18 to 21 years. I mean, assuming you don't get, you know, cancer or something, all things being equal. So, to me, that speaks for itself. But there are still some people that do it. There are, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Your behavior, what to expect with a cat. Number one thing I had on my notes, even before you told me that story, DJ, sleeping. (laughs) Cats will sleep 14 to 18 hours a day. (laughs) And when they're a kitten, they sleep more. Because they, they get up, they run around like idiots, and they tire themselves out, and they go to bed.
0: So far, I'm noticing a lot of parallels to infants. You know, out, Outdoor infants have, have lower life expectancies. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sleep a lot. I do not want to compare myself at all to a parent or anything that a parent goes through. But the first year especially, because there's different age groups, and basically a cat is considered a kitten for the first year. And the first year, we were like, "This is like having a baby." They eat anything you drop on the floor. Anything on the floor will go in their mouth: paper clips, pieces of dirt, mm-hmm. clothes, shoelaces. Like we're like, "This is like having a baby." <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, they like to sleep. Uh, they will sleep on anything remotely comfortable. Although in Romulus's case, he will not sleep on the fifty-dollar cat bed we bought him. Yeah, of course not. The when we brought him home, because, you know, originally he was a stray, he showed up at work. We had him at work for about a week. We bought him a cat bed and put it at work, and he slept in it, and he loved the cat bed at work. The minute we brought him home and he saw our bed, guess what? hmm Of course. <sighs> so... He generally sleeps with us every night, but we, we made him a bed with a cat blanket on the one armchair that's in the bedroom. In the summer, he'll sleep on that. When it's too hot to have three people in the bed, he'll sleep on that. He sleeps on the recliner. He sleeps on the couch. He sleeps on the rug. He sleeps anywhere. It, it he doesn't sleeps matter. on you. Sleeps on me. Sleeps on Annie. Um, I have a picture on my phone. He was sitting in the windowsill and fell asleep, and his like head is against the window, just passed <laughs> out. Amazing. Uh that's another thing they like. They like if it's an indoor cat, they like windows. It's like TV to them. They watch squirrels and traffic and shit. They love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen the memes online, and it's true, cats are liquid. <laughs> no, they are. It's terrifying. I'm convinced Romulus has no bones. <laughs> Annie has a dresser in our bedroom that like, you know, it has feet and everything, and then it has like the little curvature like between the floor and that. I can barely get my fat hand in there. He crawls in and out of it all the time. Yeah, fair. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, Anywhere they want to go, they will go. They will contort. They will, you know, if I fits, I sit. It's true. They can be aggressive. Uh, You know, they... Cats, especially male cats, like to rough house. And this is a problem if you only have a single cat household. And this is something we're actually... Trying to not break Romulus of, but teach him is if you only have one cat, they don't roughhouse with them with each other, so they never learn that hey biting hurts. Mm. So they will bite, but not to hurt you. They just want to play, and you have to like you know wean them off of that. Give them some chew toys and things, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The best cat discipline is a spray bottle of water. They hate it. And after a while, it gets to the point you don't even have to spray him. You pick the bottle up, he runs.
0: I mean, I do feel like I need to point out that you could just
1: bite your cat back. (laughs) I don't know, though. That might just encourage him. Then we might get into a biting (laughs) wall. But to be fair, he doesn't just bite us. He does horrific things to his tail. Jesus! He chases his tail. And when he catches it, like you can hear him gnawing on his tail. <laughs> it's like, buddy, what the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> so he doesn't just bite us for the record. Um, and he doesn't claw. He has clawed. We didn't have him declawed. Don't, I'm, I'm not even getting into that. Just don't have your fucking cat. Declaw. Just don't fucking do it. Mm. And I say that as someone who was not into cats, didn't know anything about cats. We got this cat, they gave us a pamphlet about, hey, do you want to do this? Here's the procedure. And I went, what the fuck? Mm. So just don't do it. Uh, but he doesn't claw. He doesn't claw our furniture either. We're very lucky. Okay, so uh, I, I, let,
0: let's pause there. I do agree with you. So no argument. But for, for people who may not know why, why don't you declaw your cat? Because that seems like, on its surface, that seems like you're avoiding a lot of trouble.
1: It does. Um two reasons one is much more practical and much less important and the other one is uh, much more humanitarian and obviously much more important the first one is god forbid they do get outside they're defenseless Mm -hmm. they have no way to protect themselves but more importantly than that i want everybody that's listening to take a look at your hand just hold out your hand your your first knuckle, like the one that's just a little bit below your fingernail, imagine you cut your fingers, all four of your fingers off at that knuckle. Oof. That is literally what you're doing. Where the claw is and everything, there's a joint, and that's just what they do. They just amputate at the joint. That's rough. Yeah, just, just don't do it. Um, I know a few states, New York being the biggest, have actually made it illegal Uh, unless there is like an infection or something like a medical reason. Uh, Pennsylvania has not. And again, I didn't know any of this, like all this advice I'm giving you, I know everything is different for every cat, this and that with diet and different things. When I brought him into the vet, I was like, Hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) He showed up. I like him. I want to keep him, fix him and tell me how to make him better. Mm. And so this is just, you know, going in blind, reading all the pamphlets, reading all the uh, the advice from the vet, different things. And, I mean, again, I don't want to get political on this podcast. But when I brought him in, you know what the first thing she said to me was? What? Please consider having him vaccinated. And I went, what? And she goes, yeah, no, a lot of people don't do that for cats either. Just so, do it. Yeah, so just you know, I'm a libertarian. If you know, whatever you do for yourself is fine. Get your cat a rabies shot. What the fuck? Come mm-hmm. on. Uh, but whatever. Meowing. They're gonna talk. <laughs> They're gonna talk to you, and this is something that again, I never thought I would be able to figure out. After a while, you can kind of figure out what they want. Mm. They have different cadences. They have different tones. There is like a cry, which is pretty horrific. There is a hey, pay attention to me. There is a I'm I pissed off at you. There is an I'm hungry. And then there is the I'm sorry when they know you're mad at them. Uh, and then they have a tone when they just play and they're just talking to whoever the fuck. Uh, pets. The best part of having a cat pets, uh, you pet them on their terms. <laughs> they will tell you when it's time to pet them and you will stop what you are doing and you will pet them. <laughs> Romulus has figured out how to headbutt the corner of my phone and knock it out of my hand. Uh, and likewise, they will tell you when you are done petting them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there will be no more pets. <laughs> uh, usually you get, a it's not a bite, we call it a nip, because usually he'll just, uh, he'll put his mouth on us, but he won't clamp down the first time. And then if you keep petting him, then you get bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: there's another meme out there that cats are like strippers. They sit in your lap, but you can't touch them. <laughs> So meals, and again, this is just what is recommended by our vet. Uh, Talk to your vet before you do any dietary stuff. But wet food and dry food, you need both. Uh, You know, you need like the meat. Cats are omnivores. They like everything. So you need the meat of the wet food. But likewise, you need the vitamins and the minerals and some of the ground-up grains and vegetables they put in the dry food. Uh, The Wet food usually comes in... Two main varieties. There's like just hunks of beef and pork and turkey and fish and et cetera. And then there's pâtés. Romulus won't eat pâté. It's very funny. He was literally a stray eating dirt, but he won't eat liver. It's fucking hysterical. It just cracks me up. Uh, You know, we mix the food together. Uh, Our vet recommends you have a set feeding time. You feed them twice a day and you have a set time and you stick to it. We feed him at 8 in the morning and at 8 at night. And her big thing, uh, our veterinarians, was do not leave food out during the day. like that. And that was actually a thing we were doing before we went to the vet, which is here's a bowl of dry food. You hungry, buddy? Just nibble. And uh, feline diabetes is a real thing. <laughs> Kitty Wilfred Brimley shows up at your house and uh, doesn't leave. So don't leave food out. I mean, unless you're going to be away. That's the nice thing about a cat, unlike a dog. With the litter box and everything, you can just... Leave the cat for a day or two and leave food out and water out and, you know, boom. And have water 24-7. Have a bowl or have a fountain or something. Toys, because you got to have structured play time. This is a big thing. They actually say it helps cats focus and it helps indoor cats actually bond better with you. You need to have 15 to 20 minutes of structured, formal play with your cats at least. Um, A couple times a week. doesn't have to be every day, but a couple times a week. So, there's kick toys, which they call them that because the cats can bat them around or they actually just sort of hug them with their front paws and then they kick them with their back paws. It's really cute. Uh, There's chew toys, obviously. Laser pointers are big ones. Cats fucking love laser pointers. (laughs) They do. I have never loved anything in my life. I don't think I love whiskey as much as my cat loves a laser pointer. (laughs) Uh, Balls, too. They don't play fetch. They will run over, if you throw the ball, Romulus will run over to it and lay down, and you have to go pick it up and throw it again. It's very funny. Uh, So just, there's toys fucking everywhere. Scratching posts, buy things for them to scratch, because that's another thing, especially with indoor cats, if they know something is theirs, they like that, and they have a little bit of independence, and they'll fuck that up, and they won't fuck up your couch or your bed. So buy scratching posts and shit. Um, Litter. You know, empty the litter every day. And I don't mean just, you know, change all the litter out completely. You, you buy a pooper scooper, you scoop the poop out, scoop the pee out, get it all out at least every day. We try to do it twice a day, once in the morning before work, once a night before bed, because then it doesn't smell. Mm. Uh, that's the big thing. And I was, again, this was another thing that I believed for years was, oh, man, you know, cats are fun, but cats kind of smell. No, the litter boxes smell, and they only smell if you don't take care of them. Yeah. So do that. Uh, change the litter every week, every two weeks. Depends on how many cats you have. Depends on how active they are. If they're a little bit older and they're going to the bathroom more, you got to change the litter every week. Otherwise, change it every ten days, every two weeks. No big deal. (sighs) Wash the box out and everything. The rule of thumb is you're supposed to have one box plus one for every cat. So if you have one cat, you're supposed to have two litter boxes. If you have two cats, you're supposed to have three litter boxes you can get away with this if you're in a smaller place. Like we only let Romulus in like the four rooms upstairs. He doesn't get to go through the entire 1821 studios. Cause one, we'd never fucking find him. Yeah. But, um, so he only gets to go in four rooms upstairs and we bought him literally the biggest litter box there is. So he is fine with the one knock on wood. We actually have not, we've only had one accident in 16 months now. And he almost made it. He was next to the litter box. Nice. So, um, you know, but again, if you're in like a house house, like if DJ were to get a cat, he'd need two litter boxes, one upstairs, one downstairs. At least. Yeah. Uh, treats. Treats are another important part, but it's like dogs. Don't feed them too many treats. You know, give them a couple before dinner, after dinner. Uh, you have your meaty treats, which are softer, which are chewier. And then you have dental treats, Um feline dental health is a big thing and good luck trying to brush a cat's fucking teeth. Huh. So they actually make dental treats. They're hard. They're crunchy. And the idea is they scrape off anything that might be on their teeth. The big one is catnip and catnip is a mild hallucinogenic drug huh. for, cat, for cats. It winds them up. It, It doesn't get them high, but it definitely changes their behavior and their personality depending on the dose and depending on when you give it to them, et cetera. We don't give Romulus straight catnip. He's wild enough as it is. Yeah. But catnip-scented stuff, catnip-flavored stuff, that that is fine in moderation. (laughs) And likewise, you have to watch... For the alternatives, there is a cat cafe by us and the young lady that runs it, Vicky, she's great and she knows her stuff. And she sells, um, they're a catnip alternative. They're these Tibetan chew sticks and they look like little twigs off of a, a tree. Like they're not sharp or anything. And the cats chew them and blah, blah, blah. And I always watch Romulus and pretty much once he gets the bark off of it and is just gumming it, I scoop it up and throw it away. Well, Annie, the one day, and I, I'm not blaming her. She didn't know. She didn't know what I did or whatever. She gave him one, and she let him eat the whole thing. Oh, no. I don't think he slept for two days. Oh, no. Like he was high as a fucking kite. <laughs> he was out of his mind. <laughs> so just like anything else, and with toys, too, because they could, you know, bells, balls have bells in them and things. They can get them out. Just be careful, Watch pay attention to your cats. You don't have to hover over them like a baby, but just keep a side eye on them at the very least. Mm. Um, the fun fact now, with everything, you know, with marijuana and everything becoming legal and much more socially acceptable, you can go into any PetSmart and buy, they call them Meowawana, their catnip joints. <laughs> and you can give them to your cats if you're so inclined. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It is. Um... Other thing I have in my notes is uh, spaying and neutering, regardless of uh, dog, cat, whatever, get them spayed, get them neutered. Cats especially, because uh, the cat population, especially stray cat population, is out of control. And they have big litters, and the screwed up part is cats can begin to mate at six months. Oof. Yeah. (laughs) And... So if And, of course, if it's an indoor cat, if you have a female cat, you're going to have a menstrual cycle. That's a whole other thing you're going to have to worry about. And if you have a male cat when they're in heat, they like to mark their territory, even if they're the only cat. So this kind of became a joke. Because, again, I'm reading all these books, I'm reading all these pamphlets, and I get to the part about spaying and neutering. And, you know, Romulus had all these issues when he was a kitten, so we went to the vet a few times. And I finally said to the doc at one point, You think you figured out his age. When is the first day he is old enough that we can get him neutered? And it was like a Wednesday, and I took the day off. (laughs) I'm like, here you go. Here he is. Get him snipped. Uh, But definitely, absolutely do that. It was a nothing procedure. He was running around by the end of the night, and they didn't even give him a cone or anything. He didn't even chew his stitches. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And then the last thing is just grooming If you have an indoor cat, they don't really need a bath. Now, like, obviously, if they get into the maple syrup or something, then you have a problem. But cats don't need baths. And you actually shouldn't bathe a cat much more than two to three times a year under normal circumstances because then they begin to not clean themselves. And that is just not good. Yeah. You, You want them to clean themselves. You want them to maintain that. Um cats are finicky bitches. They hate being dirty. Um, and they'll tell you when they think you're dirty, they will just start licking you the way they lick themselves. <laughs> like in the summer, if I'm sweating and I don't have a hat on, he will lick the top of my head because it smells like sweat.
0: <laughs> that's amazing.
1: So that's a big thing. And then since you're not getting your cat declawed, you're gonna need to trim their nails. Every four to six weeks. Um, I mean, you'll know when they're getting long and you'll be able to tell different things. But rule of thumb is every four to six weeks. Uh, And, of course, you can go to different grooming places if you don't. It's hard to do one person. I mean, I'm lucky. I have the wife. She holds them and talks to them and I do the snippy snip. Uh, But it's tricky with one person. A lot of vets, you can make an appointment and they will cut them. A lot of grooming places will cut them for not terribly a lot of money. Uh, but otherwise if you're just by yourself, throw a towel over them and just try to do one paw at a time. Maybe spread it out over a week, one paw a day. Yeah. Because it's it's tricky with one person.
0: Yeah, I uh my my in-laws have cats and they just found this really great uh like claw grinder tool that that I guess they kind of fallen in love with and and makes it a lot easier. So
1: something to look into. Definitely check that out, and that's a good point. Don't I don't want to say don't skimp on the equipment, but like we, we bought a clipper, and it looked like a nail clipper, but it was for cats, and it wasn't terribly cheap, but it wasn't terribly expensive, and it worked, but it was just very hard because you had to line things up and you had to do this and that, and I got very frustrated and said, fuck it, and I spent like $25 more and got, they look like just a big pair of scissors, mm. but they're nail clipper, and they work so much fucking easier. Amazing. So just spend the money the first time. That's
0: awesome. Uh, I only have a few things in my notes uh, for our cat topic. Uh, The first one, uh, there there seems to be this increasing uh, weird societal debate around uh, pet diets. Uh, And I was reading about people who tried to turn their their dogs and cats into vegans. (laughs) And uh, don't, don't. It's not a thing that, that their bodies can handle. They actually need the protein from meat to be able to stay healthy. Um, and and it it goes a long way to kind of discussing that you, you know, they may have human like behaviors, but they're not humans. So don't, don't think that you can, you know, don't think that dressing them in clothes all the time is necessary. Don't try to get them onto a vegan diet. Don't, you know, dye their hair. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely some like grooming places that can do pet safe, uh, you know, fur dyeing and stuff, but you know, don't, don't go out and dip them in Kool-Aid
1: or something crazy. Um, I, I will say the opposite of that too. Um, don't try to make them just these crazy meat eaters. Mm -hmm. There is a, a big war going on with dry food about dry food, just being 100% meat. And when we first brought him to the vet, they asked, what are you feeding him? And I said, oh, dry food from something. And they named a brand, which I won't name, but it's a color and an animal. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And she said, you're not feeding them that, are you? And I said, no, I'd never heard of it. And she said, good, don't. (laughs) And naturally, that piqued my curiosity, So I went home and I Googled them and there were several class action lawsuits because animals are just dropping dead of heart attacks. Yeah. So they need both. (laughs) They need vegetables, grain, food, meat, everything.
0: Yeah. In in essence, go to a real vet and actually listen to them. Don't project your lifestyle on your animal. Yes. And then uh, I was kind of thinking of different media things that i i thought portrayed cats in interesting ways uh and one is uh, a book by jim butcher called uh the aeronauts Windless that has intelligent cats that kind of help out humans and and uh i thought that was really cute i mean there's always a billion cat videos online and there's you know things like homeward bound and whatnot um but if you're looking for, you know, if you're a fan of cats and you, you want something that isn't just, you know, the warrior cat series, uh, check out the Aeronauts win list. I uh, definitely recommend it.
1: I'm going to have to look that up. And I didn't mention it, but because um, to me it's a no brainer, but cat, dog, whatever, get them chipped. Yeah. Um, it's less than 100 bucks, so it's less than a decent bottle of whiskey. And. God forbid something does happen and they do get out, you'll have some form of tracking and it's in the database and it's this and that. Um, There's a big debate about collars for cats because let's just be blunt. They don't like them. Yeah. But Romulus wears a collar and he has his rabies shot tag, his chip tag, and a custom thing I had made for him with his name and my phone number on it. Mm. Just in case.
0: And doesn't it look like a bow tie too? It does. Romulus yeah. <laughs> is a very dapper boy. He's a classy bitch. Yes. But I think that's it for our, our topic this week. Mark, take us out. That's fucking
1: enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for uh, joining us here on the Whitten Whiskey. Uh, you know, we, we appreciate you being with us. We're, we're doing the soft relaunch. We're we're getting we're getting back at it. Um, you know, follow us on. I don't even think it's iTunes anymore, Apple, whatever the hell it is, Google, whatever the hell it is, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora. You want to hear – oh, you'll like this, DJ. You want to hear something scary? All the time. So the new TV I bought is finally a smart TV, right? I never had a smart TV. Yeah. And I don't have like three-quarters of the apps hooked up yet or anything, but I was going through them. You know what I can get on my TV? What? Audible. Oh, amazing. So I can play us. That's fantastic. Through my TV. <laughs> so if you have a smart TV, check us out. You might be able to play <laughs> us. Um, likewise, you could play us on your Amazon Alexa, although you have to say the Witten Whiskey Podcast or else she just tries to sell you bottles of whiskey. <laughs> uh, and I believe you can play us on Google Home. I had my buddy check, and I believe he said it worked. Oh, Awesome. Um, and of course we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have the wit Of course, you know, remember no H in wit, but there is an E in whiskey. Nice. Um, I'm going to be blunt, release schedule. I don't know when the next one's coming out, but it's, you should be subscribed to us <laughs> and then it's just going to show up in your phone.
0: Yeah. We're, uh, we're slowly struggling ourselves back to a normal, uh, cadence. Uh, mostly my fault. Newborns
1: are fun. Um, no, no, indeed. I'm not going to let DJ take the entirety of the L on this one. He was ready to record last Sunday and I literally could not move. That's fair. That's so fair. it's 50, 50, 50, 50. Um, yeah.
0: So I, we we're hoping that, that this season's probably going to be a little bit shorter and a little bit irregular, but hopefully for season seven, we'll come back and, and have a, a decent cadence. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to sort out our social media stuff, too. We're going to get our acting in, in gear, folks.
1: Yeah, 2023 is going to be the the year of the W&W. Um, big shout out to Duno Henry Silva, of course, for the intro and an outro. He's the rock that we build this podcast on. We love you, buddy. Uh, we do love you. And, um, you know, shout out to Ryan. I know she moved successfully. Yes, congrats, Ryan. Um, which I know was a big thing. So uh, shout out to Ryan. I mean, I didn't get a whiskey tasting kit, but Hey, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> uh, no, I felt bad. She was actually nearby, uh, relatively nearby and I would have gone to meet her. And I just, I had something going on and I couldn't get away and I felt a little bad. So I, I got to give you a little shit, Ryan. <laughs> um, what are we doing next episode? <laughs>
0: you know, this is a Mark episode. Why don't we make the next one newborns and whiskey?
1: Ooh, that'll be good. Cause we can compare notes. We can. So there you have it, folks. Everything you've ever wanted to know about dirty diapers next week. Now, and other stuff. And other stuff. I, I'm, I'm being facetious.
0: Yeah. Tune in to s- discover why diapers are not actually that big of a deal.
1: Now, give us a little preview, just because I'm curious, and I'm going to forget next week if I don't ask you now. Are you doing cloth diapers? Dear God, no. <laughs> Ooh, there's a story behind there, and I hope I remember to ask it next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there you have it, folks. Uh, I'm Mark Rossetti Jr. Oh, I'm DJ Gagman. <laughs> He's forgot how this ending works. But hey, <laughs> until next week, salute. Cheers.